What is up, my Sunlight Samurais? Hansamato here. The gladiators were not vegetarians. You heard it here first. I don't know why people think that the gladiators were vegetarians. There's a lot of videos on YouTube showing that the gladiators were vegetarians. Someone recently linked a video for me to show me that the gladiators were vegans. Uh, the guy did a great job. He's a 10 out of 10 for funniness and entertainment, but he doesn't have the facts completely right. And then also Game Changers portrayed the gladiators as vegetarians to show like the best athletes in the world were vegetarians, but they were not. And we are going to go through what gladiators were, different classes, the science that actually shows why they were vegan and can debunk it because it was a good study. They just misinterpreted it. And then we're going to go through the logic of what their diet really consisted of. So this is just with the information that we have available. Obviously, I can't time travel. I didn't go back in time to see what they ate. But this video is mainly to combine the research and the logic. So here we go. So first, I'm going to discuss the different classes of gladiators, and then I'm going to discuss the diet. So the diet is going to consist of that study. Basically, two studies. The one is a review paper. The other one is an actual study looking at the bones. And then third, we're going to discuss what their diet most likely looked like. So in terms of classes, there was a lot of different classes when it came to gladiators. It wasn't just gladiators, and this was just one group. It's kind of like when you look at martial arts skills, there's multiple disciplines, and the same thing counted for gladiators. They used different weapons, different armor, different kind of competitions, and then obviously different classes, like the most or the lowest class was basically someone that committed a crime, they were a prisoner of war or something, uh, they were a slave, for example, and they were sentenced to death and was basically just for entertainment. They were thrown in an arena, probably to, to gather against each other or just wild animals against like these people that committed a crime. So they didn't have any kind of fighting skill or kind of elite kind of fighting skills. That was the lowest level. They were just sentenced to death. Then you have a step a little bit higher where people are amateur and novices, where they competed in games, they had a little bit of armor, had a little bit of weapons. So one class against another class or two classes against each other. Um, but it was still kind of like low level. And oftentimes the loser was executed in the process as well. So this was the novice. And then you can become more experienced. So you have what they call gladiator schools. So this is most likely where they saw someone with talent and you could join the school so that they can train him, give him better nutrition, give him better training so that they can perform better and give a better show, better entertainment. So my question to you is, Gladiators are revered during history. So let's take for an example, you have an amateur fight and you have an elite fight. So let's say you take uh, the UFC, right? The UFC has a huge audience or let's take WWE, like the most elite competition. I know this is just all pretense or mostly pretense. If they have a huge audience, but no one really go and watch an amateur fight. So you have a gladiator that's an amateur that kind of creates entertainment for like foolishness and stuff. This is not really something that people really want to look out for. They want to join the thing, right? It's not going to something that's going to be displayed in the Colosseum. Then you have the elite athletes, the elite gladiators. 
This is where they performed in the Colosseum, the biggest amphitheater where stuff went down. They performed there. Like, obviously, you have to create a show. These people had to be strong. They had to have a lot of stamina and a lot of skill. So if you're a vegetarian, you're not going to be very strong. You're not going to have a lot of stamina. You're not going to have a lot of muscle. You're not going to put on a good display. So these people had to be in top-notch condition to be able to put on the best display. So the better the display you put on, the more people you attract to the Colosseum, the more money you make, the more and better reputation the emperor get for creating such a good show. Now, also, emperors and noblemen, they could own gladiators. And then in banquets, and these gladiators performed against each other, most likely not to the death. It's just a show. And obviously, when you have, you're a nobleman, you want to have the best man against the best man to put on a good show. It's kind of like that ego, that status thing. Like when you do Formula One, you want to be that group that owns the best car because you want to win. You put a lot of pride in that car that you drive that's going to win the show or the coach with an athlete or the country with the best team. The team represents the country. The gladiator represented the nobleman or the emperor. So they wanted the best, the best athlete because that athlete represented them. Let's say your athlete don't perform very well. That's going to be embarrassing to the emperor. They don't want that to happen at all. So different classes, slaves, inferior men, like the, the amateurs and the novel people, and then a higher level of skill. And then you have the elite guys that were being trained in training schools. Now, the training schools, they, it wasn't just for the gladiators specifically, but all kinds of people could actually go there, like normal citizens, noblemen, and even emperors themselves could be trained in a gladiator school. There was even a documented story of an emperor that participated as a gladiator and won so many battles. As you can see here, the list of Roman gladiator types, there was a long list, over 25, as I documented here, list of different kind of gladiators that competed. So now that you understand there are multiple different classes and levels from the novice all the way up to the elite and the different purposes that they have, let's discuss the diet. So before we dive into the diet, let's, we have to go into that study that people reference to show that the gladiators were vegetarians. So the first one I'm going to look at is the review paper, and the other one is actually the scientific paper. So here is the first paper. The best athletes in ancient Rome were vegetarians by a couple of authors in 2008. So they just write about stuff, and they said basically the gladiators were barley eaters and yaddy yaddy. And they talk about the legionnaire daily rations consisted of 79% of carbohydrates, mainly from wheat and barley. So the legionnaire, this is basically the army. So they were mainly talking about the athletes, which I deemed to be the ar army people, but they didn't say this was the gladiators specifically. And then they conclude that the base fighters in ancient world were essentially vegetarians. So if you understand what the term veganism means, it means you don't have any kind of protein in your diet, like from animal foods, but they were only eating 78% of carbohydrates. So clearly they were still getting some protein, some animal foods from the diet. So they weren't 100% vegan, but keep in mind, these people weren't the best athletes. The legionnaire, the army, they weren't the best athletes. The reason why they dominated is because they had superior weapons and armor and tactics. That's why they won, not because the men were so great. On the contrary, 
let's take, for example, Genghis Khan and his army versus the Chinese. So Genghis Khan and his army, they were big on eating meat and drinking milk. They were a very strong army. They conquered the biggest area in the world ever. And then they also had good strategy, but they didn't have the same weaponry and armor that the Romans did. So they invaded China, one of the countries that they invaded. Now the Chinese army, again, they were mainly vegetarians eating rice, basically the same diet as the Romans, but it's more rice, not so much grains. And basically what happened is Genghis Khan completely destroyed the Chinese army, despite the Chinese army having many more numbers. They were a much larger army than Genghis Khan army. And Genghis Khan army was really strong and resilient and they could fight all day long, whereas the Chinese army was brittle and osteoporosis. They were very prone to getting disease and sickness. So Genghis Khan just overwhelmed, killed everybody. And that's exactly what happens. Like the reason why the Roman army was good is because of their armor, their weapons and their strategy. Probably if the Chinese had the same weapons, armor, and strategy, the Genghis Khan would not have conquered them as easily. But because they were vegetarians, they were weak sauce. So Genghis Khan just killed them all, invaded China. It's over, over and done with. Meat versus vegetarian, smush, dead. All right, now let's look at that study with the isotopes, where they analyzed the bone to show kind of like what the people ate. So this is the study that many people cite because it's the only study that Game Changer used and other people that want to say, oh, they were vegan. Look at this study. So there was a stable isotope and trace element studies on gladiators and contemporary Romans from Ephesus. Implications of differences in diet. So this was the gladiators from a certain part in Turkey. Now, I have to say, so Lane Norton also looked at the study and said the methodology was really good. It was a good, well done study. But keep in mind that this study only looked at the gladiators from Ephesus, which is just one city, an area in Turkey. There were many different areas in Asia where there were gladiators and they were obviously eating different diets. So just by looking at this study, you can't conclude this was the study of gladiators in general. Now, this study obviously... I think wanted to kind of like portray that they were more vegetarian because the history book said that the gladiators were barley eaters, most likely, mostly from the physician Gallen. Now, people think that Gallen was the gladiator doctor, but he wasn't. He only, as a very novice in the beginning of his career, was a gladiator doctor for a very short period of time, and then he moved on to other things. So he wasn't even the and the gladiator doctor, and he was only a novice at the time. So the stuff he witnessed was only from one school for a very short period of time while he was a novice. There was many other doctors as well. And he basically said that people were barley eaters, and it was from that specific school. All right, let's dive into the study. It might get a little bit technical, but uh, it will be over quickly. So here is what they did. They looked at the stable, the stable isotope analysis. So they look at the consumer delta-13 carbon value is enriched by 5% when vegetable food is metabolized. So when someone is a vegetarian, they have higher level of this delta-13 carbon. All right, the intake of animal protein, especially meat and dairy products like stable carbon isotope ratio, the delta-50 nitrogen value also give information about the trophic level. So a higher delta-13 would indicate vegetarian and a higher delta-15 would indicate meat consumption. And also compared to the freshwater in terrestrial environment, there is a very high concentration of compounds containing sulfur in the ocean. So if people were eating lots of fish and shellfish, they would have higher levels of sulfur, specifically this delta-34 sulfur marker. 
So then was a trace element, a look at strontium and calcium. So it was assumed that a high strontium amount in the bone reflected a high vegetarian intake and low strontium indicates a diet rich in meat. So this is why the people think they were vegetarians because they had a high ratio of strontium to calcium, but we'll get into the specifics in just a bit. So they showed that strontium to calcium ratio in bone reflect the strontium to calcium ratio of the strongest calcium supplier rather than the whole plant to meat ratio of a multi-component diet. So this is kind of like the limitations of looking at the strontium to calcium ratio. They only looked at the strongest calcium supplier rather than the whole plant to meat ratio. So this isn't even a good marker. So this limits future strontium to calcium studies to identify the major calcium source of the diet. Then a second major drawback from the investigation of trace elements arose from the fact that bones buried in soil undergo diagenetic alteration. So there's some contamination and these bones are many years old. Some contamination has been found. So it limits how accurately you can kind of like see what's going on. So here's about the gladiators. Contestants with the swords had to fight in the arena without prior special training, which is in most cases meant certain death. Gladiator school participants got appropriate training and education. They could prove their ability in social reintegration in the course of the fight. They were also volunteer gladiators, regardless of about one to nine probability of dying in a gladiator fight in the first century AD. Common citizens, senators, noblemen, and even emperors could pursue training in gladiator schools. Thus, the occupational group of gladiators probably consisted of male from almost all social groups of the Roman society. So again, that indicates different classes. Artifacts, mainly oil lamps and graffiti with fighter illustrations, suggest that gladiator fights became increasingly important over time, picking in the 2nd and 3rd century AD, when Ephesus was the capital province of Asia. So... Gladiator fights was becoming increasingly important. Do you think amateur fights would become increasingly important? Or do you think fights from the elite guys would become increasingly important? Which fight would you go and watch? So here again, I talk about the values from vegetarian and the meat, the markers. So if the Delta 13 value was caused by the consumption of millet-fed animals, then higher Delta 15 values could be expected in the efficient population. So can this mean that if someone was eating an animal that ate millet, they had an increase in this delta-13 carbon as well as delta-15 nitrogen? Yes, because if you eat a grass-fed, grass-finished beef, that beef and beef fat and milk actually contains equivalent plant compounds found in plants. So you consume, if you consume a diet rich in meat and milk, and that animal was consuming um, your plants, you would have the same markers as if you were eating that plants. So basically, you don't have to eat plants to have elevated markers indicating that you were eating plants because you're eating the animal that's eating the plants. And then they combined the Delta-13 and Delta-50 nitrogen values suggest a significant amount of dietary protein intake from marine res uh, resources. So the gladiators were eating marine sources getting protein. So this is the graph here. You can see they looked at different markers here. You can see the gladiator was the square marker, the non-gladiator male and non-gladiator female. The non-gladiator male was round and the non-gladiator female was a rectangle. And then the average, the mean value was the full, the dark markers. So the gladiator square, the non-gladiator male was round. So you can see the square, which is the gladiator mean value, 
they had relatively high levels of this delta-15 nitrogen marker and almost equivalent delta-13 carbon, which indicate that they was actually eating more or less the same kind of diet than the average population would. And keep in mind, this was just from this specific big site. Doesn't mean that they were elite or novice or anything like that. So they elaborate, this also indicates that the three individuals with the higher delta-13 carbon grew up in other geographical regions that and migrated to Ephesus. So if you look at bone, the bone has a slow turnover rate, approximately 1.5 to 3% per year. So let's say you started becoming a gladiator at 20. So if they analyze you at the age of 25, after you've been a gladiator for five years, you're still going to have significant elevated markers what your diet were before you were a gladiator. So these people, before they become gladiators, were eating a high plant-based diet. So that's why they had higher delta-13 carbon because they grew up in other geographical regions and then they migrated. So if you look at these gladiators, it didn't mean that they specifically at that time were eating a vegetarian diet. The combination of wheat and beans or of cereal and pulses can lead to a protein supply leading to an availability of up to 90%. Because in that area, they grew beans and millet and pulses and wheat. They ate it as a fuller food. So most likely, most of the gladiators who weren't on an elite level, they were eating a lot of vegetables as filler food. So they were still consuming meat and milk and fish but they were still consuming stuff like wheat and beans, and that was still giving them a good amount of protein. So here they say that in contrast to this, the two individuals with the highest value are from the gladiator group. That indicates a regular consumption of animal proteins and the lower intake of legumes. Two individuals of the gladiators had the highest consumption of meat. So that, does that mean they were eating meat as gladiators or were they eating meat before they were gladiators? This is a difficulty with this kind of study. This leads to the conclusion that the individuals from the gladiator symmetry were a very heterogeneous group who consumed different kinds of foods. And this was most likely because they came from different areas to the same place. So by looking at their bones, don't really give you an idea of what their diet looked like while they were gladiators. So here they look at the sulfur marker, which indicates also meat consumption, also fish. So the female from the gladiator symmetry and one gladiator showed extraordinary delta-34 sulfur values of more than 10%. Both individuals with values higher than 10% had probably migrated from another geographical region and they consumed more fish and seafood than the others. So different diets before they came gladiators. So we don't really know. Or perhaps they were the people that were the gladiators the longest. They had more meat and therefore they had this higher value because they were the most experienced while consuming a high-protein diet. So trace elements. In general, it seems that virtually all bones buried in soil are affected by some contamination. And so far, it does not seem possible to reliably quantify these contaminations. So there is a lot of limitations to this study where they look at kind of like this mineral content in the bones. So here you can see the strontium to calcium ratio in gladiators is very high. So they had high levels of strontium and calcium compared to the non-gladiator group. It's a clear difference. So here they talk about a calcium source not detected in the isotopic signature must be responsible for such significant differences in strontium to calcium ratios between the gladiators and the non-gladiators. So just because they had a high strontium to calcium ratio didn't mean they had low intake of calcium. They still had higher intake of calcium than the regular population. They just had significant higher levels of strontium as well. So they had more calcium and strontium than the regular population. 
In a study from the non-linearity of a bone strontium to calcium and diet, describe bivilviki. Bivilki. Bivilviki, a traditional hoppy food made from corn of which ash of the salt brush plant is added. They concluded that the strontium to calcium ratio, bivilviki, is responsible for the consumer's bone strontium to calcium, even if it was just a minor part of the diet. Plant ash is known as a culinary spice and also a medical remedy in many cultures. And the consumption of ash beverage during this time period would suggest that our gladiators may comprise fighters who lost their life in the first fight and others who lost their fight after several years. So the more experienced people were having a significantly higher levels of strontium and calcium because they had longer exposure to this high calcium drink. That means a substitution for the novices of approximately one year and several years of substitution for the more experienced fighters. A strong gradient or a high variation of strontium to calcium ratios within our gladiator samples could reflect these different time spans. And then they talk about if gladiators also underwent an intense and constant training that included running and jumping with heavy protective gear, hence causing a high mechanical stress on their weight-bearing bones, then an accelerated calcium and strontium metabolism can be assumed. So more the exercise, the more stress and strain you put on the bones, the faster the turnover rate and the faster the incorporation of calcium and strontium into the bone. So they were training, and that's also why they had this higher level of calcium and strontium. So when you look at people that lift weights, those that don't, you will see that the ones that lift have higher levels of calcium and strontium than the ones that don't, regardless if they have the same diet, because more is being incorporated into the bone. So it's definitely not a good marker to see if someone is vegetarian or not. So last section here, there are strong signs of a real physiological difference in the strontium to calcium ratio of gladiators and non-gladiators. Therefore, we cautiously suggest that there must have been differences in the diet of these two groups, in particular, there must have been a food component of the gladiators which served as additional calcium supplier. So this means they were most likely consuming either bone, bone marrow, or calcium, like from milk. And that's why they were also getting more calcium in the diet. This component did not leave any signature in the stable isotrope ratios, but did leave a significant increase in the strontium to calcium ratio. Assuming that power athletes need about two grams of calcium substitution per day, and if even only half of this came from ash drink, then this could explain the strontium to calcium value. We cannot exclude some other mineral uptake or an unknown calcium supplier, such as dairy products, which did not show significant signature in the stable isotrope ratio. So this could mean that the gladiators were consuming dairy. Taking all these observations into consideration, enhanced bone mineral con content formation due to intense physical training, fast strontium to calcium changes due to strontium enriched food supplements, strong relation to strontium calcium of the major calcium on the diet, the use of ash beverage seemed to be a valid explanation. So they say basically that cedar, pine and oak show high strontium to calcium ratio. A particularly high ratio was found in the poplar, which is still a common tree in the region around Ephesus. So this clearly shows that gladiators or vegetarians are way off the mark. This study does not show that gladiators were vegetarians. It just shows that they were training and they were still basically eating a mixed diet. And this was people, and we don't know in what class they were. These people were most likely not the elite level. They were just eating the same, more or less the same diet as the general population. And just because they were eating wheat and millet didn't mean that was because it was 
poor food. It was just a food that was readily available in bulk. So they were probably still given milk, meat, fish, organ meat, and then these additional foods to kind of like as a filler food because they were also kind of like a good source of a protein. A few guys say basically because that Dr. Gallen said that these athletes, these gladiators were flabby, that they had to feed, force feed themselves. And that was saying because these gladiators was basically eating millet and beans, they had to force feed themselves to gain fat on that diet. My question to you is, have you ever seen a fat vegan that was only living on millet? You have never. The only fat vegan that you see is those that eat junk food filled with tons of refined oil. Now, back in that day, extracting oil from a nut or a seed was very it was an expensive process. So that extraction was used for the royalty people. It was not given to gladiators to bulk up. So if they were fat, it was not because they were overconsuming beans. It was because they were most likely getting an excess of animal fat to bulk up. The fastest way to bulk up is to be in a surplus eating a lot of fat. You can't gain fat. You can't overfeed. It's impossible. I, I dare you, double dare you, to eat a kilogram of raw lentils. So take about a kilogram of raw lentils per day. Soak it if you have to boil it, prepare it, you're going to have a massive bowl of lentils. Now, I dare you to eat that every single day for years on end. You cannot. You will be constantly eating. You'll be bloated as hell, farting like a maniac, but you still won't be able to gain weight. It's impossible. You won't even be able to train because you're so bloated. You will basically be rolling around in the arena or in the training grounds farting all the time. It's impossible. So I don't care about the people saying like, you know, if your life depends on it, you will eat it. That is not true. You cannot bulk up on, uh, have you ever looked at the back of a can of beans? Look oh, at the label. Hmm, if I eat this whole can, I basically get 10 grams of carbohydrates. So I'll basically have to eat a hundred cans on a daily basis to bulk up. That's never going to happen. You're never going to bulk up on those foods unless you have a bunch of animal foods your protein and whatnot, but a bunch of animal fat in the process or highly refined seed oils, which was not available at that time. So the whole point here is that you can bulk up on a vegetarian diet if all of the food you eat is highly refined or highly refined. But if it's not refined and you're eating whole rice, beans, lentils, nothing's refined, it's impossible to bulk up because you have to train, but if you're bloated and full all the time, you can't train. You can't fight. It's not going to be entertaining. Just running around the arena, like, running around. It would not have been entertaining. Well, maybe for some people, but uh, probably not for the most people. So that was a diet just debunking that study. Not debunking the study, but debunking other people's argument using that study. The study doesn't indicate that people were vegetarians. It just means they were eating a mixed diet and they were training. Now, that study doesn't take into consideration the different classes of gladiators. If you're lower class and you were kind of like meant to die, yes, you might have been given a poor diet for sure. But if you're in a training camp and you're going on to the elite level, I can just guarantee you um, the emperor was regarding his top gladiators as top athletes, as super valuable. Now, some people make the argument that, oh, you know, they would basically die after five to 10 years in the arena. So why even spend this money and resources on the, the gladiators? You can basically reckon the same thing in today. Like, Today's athletes, they basically shine for a decade, right? Let's say an athlete goes 
and he's in his prime in his 20s. And by his 30s, he kind of like starts to taper off and then the new 20-year-old come in and take over, right? So his average lifespan in his career is about a decade. So why would you think like, oh, I'm not going to spend any money training this guy. I'm not going to spend any resources paying this guy. I'm not going to spend any resources doing anything for this guy because he's only going to make me money for 10 years, which is ridiculous because the more time and energy you spend in that athlete, the better he can perform and the better that athlete can represent the country or the gladiator can represent the emperor, the more money people can make by putting on a good show. To talk more about the living conditions of the gladiators, they were kind of like legally slaves, right? So they were kind of like in their barracks. It's not the prison of barracks and then training and the day feeding. They were having doctors. They were having masseuses or masseuse, whatever people that massage them, physiotherapists. So these people were getting prime treatment to make sure that they were in optimal form and shape and to can train and to perform in the arena. These people weren't having a hard living. Let me read for you from the study. So I had to translate, but basically here's what they say. As the gladiator, you drew a line under your virtuous existence. You had the prospect of prize money. You were well fed and trained and you received excellent medical care. You had to risk your life two to three times a year for one day. Then the often also framed fight took place in a pure duel under the eyes of attentive referees and an expert audience. So a lot of people is like, you know, there was to the death, there was no rules, two maniacs against each other, but that's not the case. It was actually strict rules by how they can fight. And it was a duel, not to the death. Most cases, it was not to the death. So let's say someone lost. Sometimes the emperor would say, okay, have that guy executed. But oftentimes they weren't killing each other in a match. And I, sometimes they did kill each other, but I don't think most of the time it happened. Let me read you another quote. Serve gladiators, on the other hand, were no longer slaves, but socially excluded. For example, they were denied some professions and offices. Therefore, they often stayed with their old profession for life. For example, as a trainer, administrative employee, supervisor, or even as a doctor in Ludus. The gladiator school was and remained their home and their families who didn't usually live there were also part of it as inscription show. So the lesser guys were probably killed and not as like much look after, but the elite guys, that was, they were entertaining the emperors and entertaining Caesar and the noblemen. These people were looked after, like they have to look sexy, like in a way, because that, that you they represent the noblemen. They have to look good, put on a good show, because all about a show, if you're going to look at the WWE, those people are putting on a show. They're all jacked. They're looking lean. They're putting on a good show. Like people like that because they're buff. Like very few people look at natural bodybuilders versus the Olympia. If you're in steroids, that attracts more attention. So the bigger you are, the more ripped you were. It just attracted more attention. If you look at the pictures that were drawn, the inscriptions, the stone carvings, you will see all of these guys that was big, um, that were wearing armor, had good weaponry. They were big and lean. They weren't fat. These elite guys, they were getting supreme treatment. They had doctors. They were massaged. They had physiotherapists. They were getting a good diet, making sure they were well-fed and looked after. They had good energy and stamina and strength that they could put on a good show. So these gladiators were obviously highly trained because the better you're trained, the better show you can put on. They were getting a good diet. And let's talk about what they were getting. So most likely they were getting animal foods, because the Roman Empire, they weren't poor. They could afford meat for their athletes, right? So they were getting animal foods, milk, and probably some vegetables. 
maybe maybe some fruit. I don't know. The Romans, obviously, they hired the noble class. They were eating fruit. So obviously, if you want to look after your athlete, he's probably also going to get some fruit because vegetables aren't sought after by humans. So you have obviously different classes as well. You have the noble people and then you have the poor people. That's not gladiators. The noble people was eating fruit and animal foods and then the lower class, they were eating the grains and everything. And then also let's look at our society today. You will basically see that the upper class or the people that have money, they go for the prime cuts, you know, that's fatty and soft and that kind of cuts from the animal. They don't want to eat organ meat. Oh, that's disgusting, yeah? But so they were most likely giving that organ meat to the gladiators because they know like blood from organs from the animal and the organ meat, that gives you strength and stamina and vitality. So you want your athletes to have those traits. You're going to give them the food, most likely prescribed by the doctor, to improve your health, speed up recovery. Like they knew these athletes had to recover. You're not going to recover someone optimally vegetarian diet. That's why they were giving them calcium. They were probably giving them organ meat and bone marrow and, and fat and healthy stuff. I was going to increase their testosterone. So the reason why I think some of these athletes, like some of these gladiators became fatty, is because they weren't having enough meat, not because they were on a vegetarian diet. Because if you don't have enough meat, you don't have enough zinc. If you don't have enough zinc, your testosterone tanks, your estrogen goes up, your DHT tanks. So if you're in a low androgen, high estrogen state because you're vegan, you're going to look flabby, right? It's not going to look good. But if you have enough meat in your diet, you have enough zinc, your testosterone is going up, your estrogen is going down, your prolactin is going down, you're going to have a good look in general. So animal foods, the meat, the milk, the organ meat for the vitality, the carbohydrates for the energy to train, fat to give you more energy and maybe to fatten you up a little bit. But as I mentioned, the sculptures and whatnot displayed that these people weren't fat. The elite people, they weren't fat. They were not vegetarians. They were not not fat. They were putting on a good show. So the three emperors, Nero, Julius Caesar, and Domitian, they all had their own elite uh, gladiators that then performed against each other. So these emperors owned gladiators. They were obviously going to look after the gladiator to make sure they are in the best shape to beat the other gladiators because that's going to give the emperor more value, more status. He has the best athlete. That emperor has the best horses. He has the best castle. He has the best gladiator. It makes sense to have your athletes in the best possible condition so that they can perform and give you more value. So I hope this video was helpful. It's all about the classes. If you want to be the top of your class, you want to be that God-tier athlete, which some of these athletes that were deemed as God-level gladiators that were highly feared, then it's best to eat an animal-based diet. And you're going to be big, you're going to be strong, you're going to be lean. Lean and mean. Eating meat, drinking milk, eating fruit, eating a bunch of organ meat, bone marrow, all of that good stuff, that's going to make you an elite athlete. Just because these studies show that they were eating vegetarian diets didn't mean they were the best. That probably means they were some of the lower classes. That's why they had these mass graves. You know, people that's from the lower class, they didn't have to give them proper burial chambers. They just put them in the ground, lower class, didn't mean much. But the emperors and the elite gladiators, they probably had proper burials. So those bones aren't found or haven't been found yet and haven't been looked at. So if you found this video helpful, please like, subscribe to the channel and share with the world and all of your vegetarian buddies and the vegetarian promoters that the gladiators, the fiercest warriors, they weren't vegetarians, they were meat-eating peeps or meat-eating savages. So if you want to be on the gladiator diet and you want to be an elite level, make sure you eat your animal foods, you get meat, organ meat, milk, fruit, bone marrow, those kind of good stuff.
Get those stuff in. It's going to make you go to your level. And I will check you in the next one. Cheers, guys.